Hello, welcome to the Category 3 Podcast. My name is James Shergan. I am joined here by my good friend, Meet Shaw. How are you doing, Meet? Hey, hey. I am very excited. It's been a while since we got together and done this. It has been. It has been indeed. And, you know, we got together and I was like, what's the most uplifting film I could show Meet that I've seen in the last couple of years? And so we settled on none other than 2021's Limbo by Soi Chang. Uh, what did you uh, What did you think of this film, Meet? Oh my God, it was uh, yeah, very uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, it was a. Uh, I mean, I asked you what would be a good um, kind of um, messed up movie we could watch, and you recommend this was one of the recommendations that came up. So. It was uh, it was well worth it. It was. Would you say it lived up to that billing of being a messed up uh, a messed up film? Absolutely. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember you had specifically requested a Korean uh, like screwed up film. Yeah. And you know I was jogging through my memory bank and I don't I like since the Wailing I don't know if I have a Korean film that's punched as hard as uh, some of those ones from like 10 years ago, things like The Chaser and stuff did. So this is like the best I could come up with, which uh, is, you know, I showed this to a couple other friends and they talked about it as if it's like a little bit of a throwback to to kind of like the older eras where Mm -hmm. serial killer films were getting made, stuff like Seven and things like that. Uh Um, And so I I definitely see that influence a bit in this film, um, for sure. That's a good call out, yeah, for sure. Like... Some of the sequences and the way they portray uh, some of the killings that, well, they haven't, that don't go on on the on screen, right? Yeah. Very reminiscent of, of Seven. Right, yeah. Um, the darkness, sort of, and the grittiness of the, this, the Hong Kong city that we see in this movie feels very, yeah, reminds me of seven a little bit too right parts of the seven where they go through different people's homes and whatnot yeah and i i I did watch seven i don't know three or four years ago Rewatched it again and yeah that movie while it's in color has like very kind of desaturated look Mm -hmm. to it too Mm -hmm. and it kind of also kind of portrays this like city as hell sort of Mm -hmm. thing um and in this case it's like hong kong is like the hellish city and interesting enough you and i have been to hong kong together uh back uh kind of right around when this film was taking place or i think we were there in 2015 this film takes place in 2017 um Mm. and uh yeah how did you find the hong kong in this uh in this film versus like kind of your image of hong kong in your memory from when you've been there and it is very different and it was very surprising and the first thing I asked you was like, why didn't you take me to these parts of Hong Kong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. You definitely want, don't want to go to these parts of the Hong Kong. I don't know. I yeah. don't know if we would be able to. The trash tour like, in limbo. Yeah. Get out alive. <laughs> we might, but we might, we might just, you know, I think you just need a few showers afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if a few showers would be enough. <laughs> that was one thing that was very interesting is how how they shot like how the actors were just were able to get down and dirty and in these locations and have some very physical scenes um and uh well i'll I'll ask about this later but like i don't know if these were sets or if these were actual locations some of them that's a good question yeah i i I think whatever they did they did a good job with it though yeah 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 Yeah. well i'm glad you mentioned 
I'm glad you mentioned the physicality because I think that is like one of the most striking things about this yeah. film is just kind of the physicality, the different texture that mm -hmm. you experience. Like story-wise, this is like not exactly like revolutionary new ground. It's like a serial yeah. killer. It's in Hong Kong, so the urban city city setting adds a little bit of it. But you know, we've seen mm -hmm. this before. I mean, going back all the way back to Seven, something like that, where mm -hmm. we have like an urban serial killer. But for me, at least, the thing that kind of sets this apart is just kind of the filmmaking aspects of like the setting and 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 putting it mm -hmm. and just doing such a great job with some of the sets or mm -hmm. it, whether they are sets or locations yeah. um and it's a film that like you know while it's not the hong kong that you and i have experienced it mm -hmm. definitely has like a very distinct sense of place uh, uh mm -hmm. the, the whole filmmaking definitely has like this very focused vision and i think it really does succeed on that very kind mm -hmm. of base level the the grittiness and the I don't know the the grittiness they they show in the city and it just feels so it feels like the because a lot of the shots are of the actual city at times it feels very much grounded in in reality even if the some of the other scenes might be um of of sets that they might have built especially some of the action sequences but it doesn't like you don't feel that way at all. Yeah, and it's it it very much throughout the film seems like a continuous uh, environment and landscape that you're dealing with. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What did yeah. you make of the film? Um, like just ha having it in black and white, which is like you know a pretty unusual choice for a film being made in present day. I think I think it it works very well. Like you're pretty immediately immersed into it and you don't seem to i didn't seem to question it very much like why is this in black and white and like whether it takes me out but i feel like very few films can be done that way and this is one of the films that can be done uh black and white and be gotten away with like yeah still a modern film but it's black and white and you're okay with it because they want to show a very grim side of the city and it's kind of, you kind of called out what I kind of had thought in the back of my head, but I hadn't put two and two together. But yeah, Seven being very desaturated, it, it very much aligns with that, right? So Yeah, for sure. What, what did you think about that? Uh, no, I think I just about agree with everything you said there. I think uh, I don't have too much more to add. But yeah, I mean, I do think the black and white, look, it's hard to imagine what this film would be like in color. Uh, which makes yeah. me think that they did a good job with the black and white just because it is such a striking film. Um, mm -hmm. Like, It's not visually beautiful, but it is visually very distinct. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, just and it's not visually beautiful because the cinematography isn't good because the cinematography is actually probably very good. Mm -hmm. um, it just is uh, going for a very different aesthetic. I saw someone online describe it as sort of like the aesthetics of garbage. And, you know... <laughs> That that is kind of more or less kind of in essence what this film is. Yeah. Um, so this film was directed by a, a very interesting Hong Kong director named Soi Chang. Uh, since the Hong Kong handover in 1997, I'd say he's one of like the, you know, maybe four or five most significant directors uh, mm -hmm. that's been working. Um, and he's bounced around. He kind of his origin starting uh, directing horror. 
Um, so, and you can sort of see that here just in the way that the film will sometimes have these like very oppressive tones. I wouldn't necessarily call this film a horror film, but um, it I can see kind of the aspects of that filmmaking kind of seeping its way into there. Um, he's done a couple of films that I particularly enjoy. Accident from 2009 is like a really good uh, kind of surveillance uh, film, sort of like the conversation-ish. And he also directed one of the better, more recent Hong Kong action films, SPL to Kill Zone, which I think is also a pretty big standout. But he's interesting in the sense that he will sometimes go over to the mainland and make kind of a very mainstream blockbuster like The Monkey King, and then he'll come back over here and do a project that I think it's much more personal to him because uh, this is like very much not kind of like the broad Chinese blockbuster. This is a very specific film to Hong Kong that I think uh, he very clearly has a very focused vision, whereas The Monkey King, um, I could watch about 15 minutes of that and I had to turn it off. It's just a very CG-laden um, thing in a way that I don't really get down with so um so versatile director for sure yeah yeah Yeah. whereas i think there's almost no cg at all in this movie no noticeable cg yeah Yeah. not that we can tell yeah uh yeah and also yeah i mean very very distinctly hong kong too even uh if it's not the hong kong we know um what did you uh make of the performances were there any standouts i think here we probably have three main leads we have uh, gordon lamb um who plays kind of the sham uh, lao i think mm-hmm. the seasoned detective we have uh, none other than mason lee aka mm-hmm. hangover two, two. um and yes. then we have the female lead i forget what her name is exactly yasa liu yeah or yes liu i i yeah i'm probably butchering it no matter how i uh pronounce her name yeah, who Yasa plays Lu. Wong To? Yeah, yeah, Miss Wong. Okay, yeah. yeah. Did any of those three stand out to you, or I think um, I think like for me the Miss Wong's character st- stood out at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the like the very primary thing, um, and then probably Gordon Lamb's uh, Shen Lao. Um, I think Wong To's character, the way they show her, and the way uh, the way Yasu Liu is able to go around uh, parts of the city that are just so gritty and just so bad, and like she's able to show so much physicality, um, was was amazing. Like you, that truly immersed you into the movie and like really empathize, helped you empathize with her character. Like she's right from the beginning where we see her, she's just, uh, or not right from the beginning, but like uh, when we see her meet, uh, see uh, Sham Lao, uh, she's embroiled in guilt. And then we just see her falling farther and farther and farther down into that guilt and the craziness at the same time. Yeah, I completely agree. I think she really does stand out too. Uh, so I agree with just about everything you said. I think yeah. in many ways, on, on paper at least, this seems like a very thankless sort of female role where they're just being cast as the victim. Mm-hmm. And I think it says something towards both the filmmaking and the writing uh, from Soi Chiang as well as Yasa Lu's performance. Uh, because you're right, she's like, she physically gets put through the ringer, uh, to put it pretty yeah. mildly for this yeah. film. Like, she is like an incredibly battered character 
Yeah. Uh, but somehow she's able to inject it with like a lot of like feeling and things like that. So mm-hmm. it doesn't feel as like routine as it could if it had a more uh, kind of just average or mediocre performance there. So I, I, I do agree with you there that, uh, you know, she does really stand out. And I do believe, I don't know if she actually won, but I know she was nominated for, I believe, a Hong Kong Film Award for her uh, portrayal there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I she is I don't know really what good. movies and what, what people were against her, uh, in the same category, but she had won, it would have been a well-deserved one. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, what did you think? Any other characters that stood out for you? I think all three of the leads are all pretty good. Yeah. Like even Mason Lee, who you know I've never really thought of as a super serious actor. I yeah. think he works pretty well as kind of like this more educated cop. Yeah. I feel like the two cops are both very functional in their role. Um, Gordon yeah. Lamb is like he's he's in a ton of different Hong Kong films, especially post handover, and he's just very very reliably reliable at portraying like a lot of different roles. Um, so I think mm-hmm. he's you know. He's his usual reliable self in this. Nice. Um, and Mason Lee, who I haven't seen in a ton of films other than The Hangover 2. Neither uh, have I. Yeah, that's the only one that I'm aware of Yeah, him as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought I was pleasantly surprised that I would probably agree with you that he's probably the weakest of the three, but he's he's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's, I, he's dealing with what they might have given him, right? So... He might be intentionally, intentionally the weakest to take away the attention from the story that's happening between the senior detective and uh, senior officer and the girl. Yeah. And really, they're the really the two people who are intertwined uh, while this whole plot goes on, right? Yeah. What do you think about the 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 main bad guy, Hiro Hiroyuki Ikeuchi's character? Um. Apparently the the character's name is Akira Yamada, which I don't movie. think you hear a single time in the time. film. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think he obviously is not given kind of the juiciness of like kind of Kevin Spacey in Seven. Like it's a pretty different portrayal, but mm-hmm. I think you know characterization wise, there's not a lot there. But I do think in terms of like being a super physical villain that's able to up the stinks and kind of the that core you know core theme of the of the film mm-hmm. he's very good in terms of just like representing this kind of like huge physical challenge for all three of them to overcome at the very end mm-hmm. like he seems just physically imposing in you know yep. so much so that i looked up his height and stuff after the film and he's only five nine and a half Really? So he yeah. looks like a very big guy in the movie. I would have imagined like six two or something. Exactly. Me too. Because he just seems to like tower over everyone and just like it seems like this is just not a guy you want to face up with. Um, and in real life, this guy is an actual martial artist and stuff like that. So obviously, they're casting him a lot for that physicality. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this uh, his performance and the way he fights is anything but martial arts. Here, it's like yeah. ugly brutish uh just like overpowering way um so yeah i i like him uh he's not like a super interesting character like you know some of the crazy american serial killers that we've had but uh, i i do think he's pretty good what do you think of the the whole movie i kept telling you like oh man he looks like a very beefy guy for for somebody who's homeless yeah like he's just big uh at least like the shoulders and like like you said he feels like a very imposing character 
at, yeah, from Sai's perspective. Yeah, what do you think he was eating? Was he like, right. uh, was he like breaking into the gym at night and lifting? Let's not talk about soul? eating in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's happening in the background? Yeah, he's breaking into the gym and, and <laughs> yeah, drinking a bunch of protein, protein powder. powder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing some bench, yeah, bench presses. Yeah. Yes, he is. He is definitely one of the most in shape uh, serial yeah. killers. Like, if you had to pick a serial killer to, you know. He definitely beat the shit out of Kevin Spacey's character Kurt, in Seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, I guess uh, Ke- Kevin Spacey is very, we all know Kevin Spacey is like a very good dramatic actor. Yeah. And I don't know about about Hiroyuki and, and whether he has a lot of the drama down, right? But they use his physicality quite well. Like, yeah. I wouldn't want to go toe-to-toe with this guy, right? Like, he literally beats the crap out of two cops. Uh, and and at least one of them has a gun pointed at him, and he still kind of takes both of them down for yeah for a good chunk of it. And even they get they get him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and even just the way they build him up throughout, they're like, yeah, he took this hand off with brute force, very roughly. You know, it's like, goddamn, <laughs> this is a strong guy. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it's like not a lot of meat on like the mm-hmm. characterization and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't know that I've seen him. I know I've seen him in a couple other films, but I don't ever remember a single performance other mm-hmm. than this one. So yeah, I, I think for what the movie tries to do, I think he is pretty well cast yeah. uh, in that role. And it's very un- uh, not very clear about his motivations as to why he's doing this, or is it to you? Mm, I think it's clear he's just psychologically disturbed in some way. Okay. Uh, like it doesn't seem like he has any sort of rational motive. Certainly no grandmaster plan or anything. Right. The guy just really likes left hands. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a point where they show his mom's photo with him. Yeah. And his mom seemed like a nurse. Maybe it's just all very unclear. Yeah. Yeah. But, he, but yeah, he's got something, some sort of obsession with his mom, but. You know, it's not really explored, and it's not really. Uh, yeah. yeah, they don't they don't care to make that very evident. But yeah, regardless of that, like the movie still works. Like it's it's something that you don't truly need to focus on. Uh, yeah, particularly for, in, in, in just the way the movie is. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, in terms of just kind of things that stood out to. Uh, to me at least uh one thing that always stands out in a lot of soy chang's films and i think one of his gifts are just the different like action set pieces that he puts Mm -hmm. together here and i I think he puts together quite a few uh Mm -hmm. in this film um one that particularly stood out i mean going up to like kind of that parking garage that's a pretty good one too Mm -hmm. that one's pretty early on in the film another one that stood out for me uh just in terms of like kind of the intricacies and complexities that are going on mm-hmm. are when we uh we have them all interview well basically uh wong to as well as the two cops go and interview the drug dealer who is missing uh her left hand mm-hmm. and so they kind of the, they figure out like who's been talking to her and they're like okay let's go out and find this guy and then everyone kind of ends up just running off and like a gang that's after wong to shows up too yes and so it's just an very complicated sequence where we have people chasing after different people there's a lot of intensity a lot of threats coming from different places mm-hmm. and just as a piece of filmmaking and like just something like kind of an exciting thriller is going to show i think it really really works really well and that sequence goes on probably for 15 minutes is my guess something like mm-hmm. that we have like guns going missing and all that stuff and i think 
uh, I think it's just done uh, very well. What did you? Were, were there any set pieces that stood out to you? Did that one stand out? Any thoughts on any of that stuff? Um, yeah, set pieces. I think like the 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 three sequences that that come to my mind. One of the first one that you talked about, which is in like a top of the parking garage, and the way they do like top down shots and almost like a crane shot or something yeah but maybe they're drones right but it feels very like crane type shots of like how the cars are going and how they're running and um trying to escape the cop yeah and that one's really well done and really well captured yeah um the other two are uh, um i agree with you which is where like they all all the chaos kind of uh comes together uh, and then the the third one is the the end uh, set piece. Yeah, for sure. Or, and it might be a combination of two set pieces. It, it feels like semi indoor, where the go- girl where Miss Wong has been kidnapped, and there are a couple of potentially dead or semi alive women there with their hands uh, left hand cut off, as well as like the where they end up going to from there. Yeah. As as Miss Wong escapes and and the bad guy chases her and then the cops show up there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So all that together, like those set pieces, all of them. I think there's, you know, the parking garage is the the, the kind of the cleanest and nicest one, and then everything else just like it just feels like more and more grittier and and crazier and. Um, For sure. Darker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as they get closer to the killer who lives in a garbage lair, literally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it gets like nastier yeah. and grimmer, and they have to constantly wade through basically sewage and different garbage and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think that works well. One and, thing, and yeah. in midst of all that are like dead bodies that they keep finding, right? So, yeah. Like obviously the woman on the couch, and then like there's another one that right next to Miss Wong being kidnapped and uh, kind of shackled pretty much and there's a dead body body like within feet of her right too so yeah uh what would you say is your favorite of the three kind of big set pieces or did one stick out in particular i think the third one stuck out the most because the that set piece as like gritty and dark it is it feels very real if it's a set piece or whether it's like done live at, at a location um and then they they use the they use rain extremely well while shooting that too there's just heavy rain going on throughout that sequence and then and then the actors have to do some very physical things especially miss wong's character having to yeah like go through different windows and having to climb through uh different uh cabinets and all of that and she's doing that all of that while she's barefoot which is another yeah crazy thing to me so I hope like the the shooting environment was safe, but wh- I mean, regardless, like when you're watching the movie, you really feel like the you you really feel terrified. Yeah, no, I think it's such a great sequence. Um, yeah. And like there are moments where they put the shovel against like her her hand, basically, and it's like even though her hand eventually oh, yeah. spoilers does not end up getting cut off or anything oh. like that. But oh. it's like you can, the filmmaking is done in such a way that you really feel that impact and you feel that danger. It like feels slightly unhinged in a way that like someone is going to get hurt and people definitely do get hurt. But yeah. Uh, yeah. 
um, yeah, I agree. I, I would say that probably is the best one. Uh, I do also love that kind of, I love how complicated that sequence is in the middle too, where people are chasing them and it feels like it just has that like kind of dangerous feel to it too with especially the gang coming after her and anytime someone is like swinging around knives as wildly as she does in this scene uh mm -hmm. you know shit is definitely going down um yeah yeah, yeah. um one thing with that did uh t to bring it all the way back to the first seat set piece too uh that you brought up mm -hmm. is uh it, just a random note more than anything is i i do like how that kind of shows the verticality of hong kong because you know that's one thing that's immediately striking to you when you get into the city is just like yeah. how tall everything is and it's like that parking garage looks freaking massive it looks yeah. like a 30 yeah. story parking yeah. garage and it's yeah. like uh it's all happening at top and so you have those great kind of drone shots or whatever they yeah. use to do them and and they look really good in terms yeah. of showing kind of the the scope of the action yeah the overhead shots yeah. and the like the rolling down shots and stuff like the car while the car is kind of going down uh while shamlao's car is going down following her yeah all of that yeah, yeah pretty amazing and the chase that happens after that also pretty amazing yeah um, so um yeah yeah yeah, so let's see. Um, so let's see what else I have here. Um, yeah, we could talk a bit more about the third set piece since I think it is both of our favorites. Mm -hmm. But I do love how it's kind of set up where the rain starts to happen, uh, which makes it so hearing is weird. There's also a couple great shots when they finally kind of move mm -hmm. outdoors to the final part of that set piece mm -hmm. where it's probably a drone or something overhead. And you see like the MRTs going by, like the trains going by while like they're being chased yeah. and things like that. And it just is like such a, like both a very strikingly beautiful way to like kind of connect everything together. But it kind of just shows like the urban hellscape where it's like, yeah, people are nearby, but it's so fucking loud with the rain and with the trains and just with the city noises that no one Nobody can cares. hear you. Nobody can hear you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, yeah. What, uh, yeah, I, I, another note I like in that last set piece too, is like it opens and we just see like kind of the mannequin hands, washing down with all the like the rain that's coming like down into kind of like the sewage area and they're like oh, oh yeah that that's how they know they're in the right place because they're like oh this guy clearly has a hand thing yeah, yeah this yeah, guy's yeah. like a disturbed uh tarantino <laughs> offshoot <laughs> <laughs> um that's very true and like actually mannequins are a sort of a recurring uh thing that show up in this movie right like uh in the garbage can where they find the first body or yeah so and there in a couple of different places i think there's mannequins and then and then eventually here where in the in the bad guy's lair there's mannequins um yeah i don't know i i didn't kind of put together the symbolism of it all i don't know if you feel like there is anything in particular if it's just there for to add more horror uh, to the to the whole theme i i think it's mostly for that um i mean we discussed a little bit when we watched this film a couple days ago like does this theme me, film have a core thesis or message it's also interestingly mm. something the other friends i watched this film with brought up too mm -hmm. and you know it does bring up certain issues of like kind of the underbellies of society and things mm -hmm. like that going on it's a little hard to flush out a totally coherent message that 
is what the film stands for. Yeah. Uh, did you think more about that, or did you kind of land in the same place you did a couple of days ago? Yeah, I don't. I I feel the same. You kind of describe it well, right? Because the they kind of keep showing the underbelly of the city, but then like the sort of the the relationship between the girl and the detective uh, Sham Lao is the one that seems to be more of a focus throughout, and especially by the end of. Uh, the movie so then like and that has absolutely that relationship and how they get into that relationship has absolutely nothing to do with the underbelly of the city no it doesn't and so like it's it's kind of hard to like flesh out a particular message but then the music is felt made very like tragic heavily operatic at times and and makes the movie seem like more than it it really is Mm. and i don't know if it was a if it was a particular choice if it was a choice for a particular reason or if it was just picked for just like you know extra dramatic reasons because a lot of times in indian movies they do this where like you know there's not a particular message but just to make it dramatically extra tragic they they might put just this kind of music in in there it does feel a bit like that. I yeah. do, yeah. I think, mostly like the score and how it's done. But, yeah, it, it is a little um, on the nose at times, especially when they have kind of the vocals going and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So uh, I do get what you're saying there. Um, we did also uh, – one thing I think is also interesting, too, um, is how flawed the cops are in this. Like, mm-hmm. they make a lot of mistakes and things mm-hmm. like that. And like a lot of their unforced errors end up being very costly. Uh, mm-hmm. In the fact, like they they will stumble upon the killer at one point, mm-hmm. but because uh, they're so focused on like finding something that they need for their own career, like the mm-hmm. gun specifically, they not only miss the killer, but ironically they miss the gun because the killer has the gun too. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of kind of? Yeah, did you have any thoughts on sort of the portrayal of? The cops there on mm-hmm. like did you like how fallible they were or did it like kind of annoy you in a way i think while watching the movie like it was it was very clear to me that they're making as an outsider it was very clear to me that they were making some glaring mistakes and even the more reliable cop will Wren, was starting to uh, do things that would that he wouldn't have done, right? Like initially, right. you show him they they portray him as very responsible cop, and then pretty much when he loses, when his gun is lost, even he loses it. And uh, I didn't know this, but you explained it that that there might be a very heavy penalty for for losing your gun, and it might being you it, it being used by. Uh, for for a cop, yeah. losing a gun for a cop, and then like it end up getting used by somebody else. So right, it starts to make sense. Like the psychology of it all, right, starts to make sense that their their focus suddenly went from like trying to protect this girl or uh, finding the killer to just getting the gun, and 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 in that process they end up doing some very uh, stupid things. Uh, as as all of us were people and 
we make those mistakes. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, very long-winded way of describing the obvious, but I think uh, my point being like I uh, on the spot it, it I didn't think through think it through and I it, it annoyed me a little bit, but then over after thinking it, I think I, I'm more understanding of like why they made certain decisions. Yeah. The gun in particular, now that I'm thinking about it too, is kind of one of those interesting things they go back to mm-hmm. a couple times. Uh, because like at one point, um, the Lao Cham character like threatened, uh, uh, what's her name? Tong. Yeah. Wong Tong. Uh, with the gun and things like that. And so he actually gets it removed. Um, yep. and so he was using it kind of like in a personal way that is inappropriate. But in the end, it's like, as soon as it becomes personal for Will Ren too, he becomes also kind of short-sighted in a very similar way. So I, mm-hmm. I do think the film is probably thinking about it now and these thoughts are just coming to me now so i don't know mm-hmm. if they're fully flushed out mm-hmm. but it, they they kind of end up in a very similar place where they make very similar errors uh once things become too personal mm-hmm. and they're unable to kind of like see the greater picture um and so they're both you know both very flawed i don't think either one is like stupid mm-hmm. or uh you know a, yeah i mean they definitely make some mistakes that would probably classify them as like pretty bad detectives in this case, but uh, you know they are eventually able to uh, find the 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 killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you what do you think about the dynamic between Sham Lao and Miss Wong To, Miss Wong, um, and and the the problems they have between them? I think it's I think there's such just you know writing wise I don't know it's a little. Mm-hmm little uh you know yeah uh fairly kind of we've seen this before mm-hmm. uh but i think the performances are so strong for both of those characters that i think it kind of works mm-hmm. um and in fact i mean watching uh lao cham physically abuse her and hit her and stuff mm-hmm. it just keeps going and going yeah uh, so it's like it's almost like it's very shocking in a way yeah. too uh, and she gets abused way more by other guys too like the yeah. bad guys that are who Sham Lao kind of... Uh, well, he sets her up. Yes, yeah. yeah. Kind of puts in front of... And not once, he does that twice. Yeah. Like, he... Literally, she, she tells him, like, are you trying to kill me? You know, are you trying to get me killed? Right? Yeah. So... Um, uh, and, and so, like, as an extension of the previous part of, like, Will Ren getting more uh sort of when it becomes more personal he makes sort of uh not such a not so good decisions like i'm kind of curious like whether you thought him letting sham lao run around and 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 let show miss wong to's face to all the bad guys whether that was a good idea or not it was clearly not. And then, I mean, in the end, it's like somehow they, even after all that, they, they come to the conclusion that they should handcuff her to a car, which mm-hmm. turns out to be an extremely stupid decision. Yeah. Uh, because it just Again, that was done by Sham Lao, actually. Yeah. So I remember, like, yeah, yeah. Will Ren actually runs away. Yeah. So he's not fully aware that she's handcuffed to the car. Yeah. Unless... Although it's partially him being so short-sighted yeah. to make sure that he doesn't do anything like that. Yeah. But I mean, like it's one thing to think that the killer is going to get her, which doesn't eventually end up happening, but it's another to think the gang might get her, which seemed yeah. totally plausible. And that yeah. is like, well, Ren totally literally helpless. tells, 
I think he tells Sham Lao that. Oh no, he tells Sham Lao that she just ran away with his gun, but he doesn't tell Sham Lao that she. The reason she took the gun was she was about to. She was almost getting killed. Gonna get killed. Yeah, she was gonna get killed yeah. literally. So she had a pretty reasonable <laughs> reason for grabbing yeah. it to defend herself. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about like in that chaos, in all of the chaos that cops have created for themselves in the parallel there is another person being killed yeah while you know while they're kind of running around uh you know trying to protect uh, miss wong yeah as well as i don't know trying yeah to, trying to catch the killer well it, i think if you look at it you'll just see how flawed the cops are too because yeah. like they could have totally avoided if they had gone about it probably the more by the book correct way in yep. terms of protecting a witness. Yeah. They could have used her as a witness, but responsibly. Yeah. And then that gang never would have been after her and they wouldn't have had that extra distraction that probably prevented them from getting the killer right then and there. Yeah. So you could see that as uh, being certainly their responsibility too. Yeah. Um, so I, I think for me, at least I kind of like it when characters are very fallible and flawed. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I can get on board with the Superman detective sort of uh, stuff too, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like I, I'm perfectly okay with uh, dealing with flawed characters, which I think everyone here is clearly very flawed. Certainly all three leads are. Yeah. And I guess the fourth is the killer, so he's definitely, you know, he, he perfect but flawed. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, uh, I wonder if, like, the talking about flawed characters and, like, if if Gone Girl would be an interesting comparison because there's also, there are flawed characters in that movie too, but they're just much more deliberate and calculated and thorough in terms of what they're doing. Uh, even though, like, there's some silly mistakes that both characters make in that movie too, but there's just very, a lot more very uh, deliberateness about yeah. kind of taking actions to get particular outcomes another david fincher movie yeah not seven but yeah this is an interesting comparison that one is definitely far more about calculation yeah and i feel like in this film uh at its base level this film everyone is just acting out of pure physicality and desperation Mm -hmm. so it's people do not have uh time to react in like a more calculated way most of the time even the detectives who presumably have a little more distance from like the distance than like Wong To does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um okay well I think we're getting and Wong To another thing was like yeah I don't know if you th- felt like what'd you think of the theme of remorse that is pretty much throughout the film uh, bet- again between Sham Lao and, and, and Wong To right because there's a couple of points where she could have actually escaped they even show her sitting on a bus that might take her somewhere. Yeah. But then she's back and she doesn't end up leaving. Yeah. And Well, I think she does a good job showing kind of yeah. like the internal struggle. Because, yeah. yeah, she does bring about the suffering to herself because she yeah. f- simply feels guilty. Yeah. Uh, which is like something that... And then forgiveness for for, for to come from, from Sham Lao, right? Yeah. Which he does, he's unable to forgive her throughout the movie. Yeah, until the very end. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if that kind of relates to the title Limbo very well, but because I think Limbo has some religious meaning in Christianity, right? Yeah, yeah. In terms of like, it's like souls being trapped. In yeah, it's there kind of like this like transient state, state, almost. Yeah, mm. 
Um, and that could be, you could interpret that as being kind of like where the Lao, Cham, Lam Chow, Jesus, Cham Lao. Lao character is kind of, and finally he kind of gets out of limbo. And then mm. and in turn, he kind of can take uh, Wong To out of limbo too. Yeah. <clears throat> like the state. And so you can kind of more accept and forgive and things like that. And you can't really, yeah. like, and his wife too at that point is like, seems to be in a coma basically. Uh, yeah. So she's like not yet dead, but she's yeah. like not really alive either. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if like, if Wong To would ever be able to live a normal life after this though. That's the crazy thing. Like, the <laughs> amount of abuse physical and sexual that she gets put through and eventually like and she at the throughout that she's carrying this like mental weight of what she's done right clearly and looking for forgiveness um to the very end where she eventually then like you know when she would get the forgiveness is also when she actually shoots down the guy who she's wronged right like literally yeah. on her phone his name is written as sorry sir yeah yeah and and she in, ends up killing him uh accidentally for that matter yeah well you like, can find out in limbo squared limbo sequel. squared <laughs> <laughs> miss wonto returns <laughs> yeah yes uh this does cross me as a film that's never going to have a, a sequel but uh <laughs> i agree <laughs> it seems like a lot of stuff to recover from uh like it seems like she uh took one step forward and two steps back sort of deal <laughs> yeah uh so it kind of ends on a somewhat uplifting note but i think if you take a step back and look at it you're like oh i don't i don't know how i don't know what the day after for wong to is going to be like it seems like pretty hellish for for yeah. the next immediate future at least yeah i would need some antipsychotic meds and uh oh my god i don't know what else but yeah lots of therapy sessions yeah and on that note least... this podcast has been sponsored by BetterHelp. <laughs> no sadly we're not sponsored by better help for anyone else that's fine uh okay well i think that's getting through most of what i have on my notes do you have anything else you want to add uh otherwise we can kind of go into uh you know uh who won the movie and rating and all that fun stuff mm -hmm. what do you think about the procedural stuff like uh just just kind of cops trying to find the killer throughout and then also the ending and how how the how Cham Lao kind of in in all the chaos he at least has the foresight to think of like letting Win, Will Ren be get off the hook. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love procedural stuff. Like for me, uh -huh. at least, it's like kind of bread and butter type things for me. Like one of my favorite films of the twenty first century is Memories of Murder. Yeah which is like the Bong Joon-ho police procedural. Yeah. So I get I get down with all the police procedural stuff. And, and, I, and comparing that level of procedural work versus the procedural stuff that's shown in this movie, like, are you satisfied with it? Would you say, like, you know... I, th I mean, I think Memories of Murder is more of a police procedural than this film, and mm -hmm. I think it's also better at when it does the police procedural stuff. Yeah. But... Um, you know, I, I I do find the police procedural stuff here to be, you know, perfectly satisfying. I like a good investigation and, you know, I like seeing how they kind of arrive at figuring out who the villain, uh, who the serial killer actually is. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I do dig all that stuff. Yeah. What yeah. about you? I, I liked it. I think it's not, 
it's not one of the best procedural movies because and it's okay i think because it focuses more on the serial killer at the end and the action and the and it's made up by the like the character of the city part of the city that we see the underbelly um so so i think i'm okay but i mean i did enjoy that a little bit and how they find the first dead body and how they like how you see Sham Lao kind of uh, have a very strong nose for uh, the bad guy. Yeah. And somehow even in the garbage layer, he's like, huh, the in the second sequence, right? The second yeah. big sequence, he's like, huh, like the the killer was has been through here. Yeah. And he could tell that. So. Yeah, he's got very, that sense of smell. Very sensitive nose. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Procedural was kind of mediocre but still good yeah yeah um they use the octopus card <laughs> i don't know if people would quickly get it if they're not living in hong kong and or and haven't visited it like yeah they might for not for me i was able to quickly connect yeah, yeah. that that's the yeah yeah that's their transportation card yeah for me too the first time i watched this i was like oh yeah they called the octopus card that's right yep. yeah so it was kind of that's like fun. a nice uh, toss back and i feel like there's probably a lot of details like that that are very specific to hong kong that uh probably locals can enjoy yeah um and this is certainly darker than a mainland audience movie too uh Mm -hmm. so it feels very distinctly hong kong which is something Mm -hmm. i usually enjoy uh Mm -hmm. when it kind of has that regional flavor to it too yeah um okay well let's get one last yeah a couple of a couple more things i guess one thing was like when the movie starts this is not the direction i see the movie go in but it does right because you start you start seeing that there's a serial killer and these cops are chasing it. And I guess even in seven, um, the cops end up getting involved. Like the serial killer and the cops lives get intertwined, but only at the very end. Yeah. But like there's a, and, and, and it almost seems very unconnected overall. But then, like you look at this movie, and like it's very direct how the how the plot kind of takes the cops and the girl more and more and more, like how it just pulls them directly in towards the the bad guy, and um, and eventually like in direct contact and conflict with the bad guy, um, uh, where their lives are at stake and the girl's life is at stake and all of that. Um, yeah it's yeah. uh it's less out it's, of it's like field, when the movie start yeah exactly yeah. when when the movie started i didn't quite expect it to go that way yeah 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 i don't know if, yeah i kind of spelled it out too much for you rather than asking you a question about it no no i think that's a good point yeah yeah um but you're right it, there's like it's got some of the seven's dna in it but it is a very different film overall i'd say mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. for sure yeah did you have another point too Nope, I think that was it. I think we already talked about Sham Lao and Will Run's gun being okay. switched. Yeah. That's a, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a souvenir you'd want from this movie? <laughs> no. A- any of the garbage? <laughs> you don't want one of the hands? Uh, Put it up in your on your wall? Um, I know you're left-handed, no, so I mean... I, I am know. left-handed, which was like especially traumatizing <laughs> watching the movie. Uh, <laughs> Uh, octopus card <laughs> you think Maybe. the octopus card yeah, yeah. Might, might be two dollars left on it yeah yeah uh who won the movie 
who won the movie? Oh my god. Nobody won the movie. <laughs> oh. Um, it's so rough. Who won the movie? I'm trying to think. Probably Will Wren, I guess. Will Wren? His Even record's he, clean. His record's clean. He's, he's like definitely he came way out less neutral. traumatized. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> came out neutral. It was like everyone else got taken down, and that's yeah. And by the law of not being taken down, he, he won the movie. I, I mean, guess. he didn't even have to pay the dental bill for his wisdom, too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. He won the movie. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Fuck. That was a... That was a theme throughout the movie. It's it's really funny, and then like eventually he gets hit by the by the shovel or whatever, and, <laughs> and bam, here comes out the yeah. wisdom tooth. Like, Free dental care. Okay. Right. Yeah, nice. I, I did see on the Wikipedia article that this is based off a book or something, and like the title of the book is like Wisdom Tooth or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Limbo okay, is a better title. Much better title. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and what would you rate this film out of ten? Probably like a seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. give this a solid eight for me. Solid eight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I think it's a pretty, yeah. uh, in, well, enjoyable movie is not the right word, but if you are someone like me that really likes the dark, gritty East Asian films, mm-hmm. then I think this is probably one of the better ones that has come out in the last uh, few years. Along with good chase sequence. Yes. Fairly decent action, actually. I would agree. Yeah. Um, nothing like John Wick, where you're just seeing bodies drop, but the, yeah, but the physicality and the the, the sort of the close combat, of of it all, and brutality. It quite, yeah, brutality. Is yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah. This is the unelegant, inelegant cousin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Compared to like, it's it's the opposite of whatever the yeah. ballet that John Wick is. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like how Born Identity first brought the the level of. Uh, feeling of like very brutal yeah except much more coherent yeah uh, the action is here yeah yeah um okay well i think that just about concludes this episode of category three uh so thank you everyone for tuning in uh and we will see y'all next time ciao ciao